Shalom, Mishpocha. Shalom, family. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word, means family, and we are the Mishpocha, the family with a Jewish heart. Made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people, we're sliced the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile, finally come down to form what Paul, who's besides himself, calls the one new man, except he didn't do that, because in the Greek, it's really the one new humanity, And when these two people groups of God merge their spiritual DNAs, it makes a complete dwelling place of God by his spirit. And that's why the devil has been separating these two people groups. But when they come together, we're going to see what Jesus prophesied when he said, you'll do the same works I have done and even greater. Now, my guest by way of telephone is Eddie James. He doesn't need an introduction to most of you. Uh, He's had the number three song on national charts, uh, but uh, I want you to get to know Eddie James and what God has done in his life. So you're a young guy, uh, Eddie, and you, uh, uh, at age eight, you get saved, and this is unfair. I protest. You heard the audible voice of God. What did he say to you? <laughs> I heard the voice of the Lord begin to speak to me about my purpose. Uh Immediately after I said yes to God, I'll never forget it. The Lord said, you will preach my word to the nations. You will uh, lift up a sound of worship. You will sing. You will play. You will write music. I just heard it just like that. And um, I'll never forget uh, just the encounter and the experience and the the weightiness of that moment. I told my father as soon as I got in the car, uh, with him on the way home and uh, shared that with him. And uh, the first thing he said was, make sure you tell your mother. And uh, when I told my mother that uh, at the house, uh, where she had finally got home from service that day, she uh, pulled out this, uh, this this card that she had, been, she had written on uh, that there was a man that came from Africa to my church while I was in my mother's womb and told her, uh, almost word for word, the exact same thing that I had to share with her. And she had never shared that with anyone except my father. She must have been beside herself. I mean, someone that young is not supposed to hear so clearly from God. Well, though, I guess you could go back to Samuel. So it's a little precedent. Uh, but, um, you know, you learned the supernatural, the reality of the living God as a child. Uh, tell me uh, a few of the things you saw with your eyes, with your mother's faith, because uh, you didn't have uh, much in the way of finances. And uh, therefore, your mother was in the position that most people in the next year, two years are going to find themselves in, and that is totally dependent on God. What did you see as a young child? Oh, it, it's, uh, it's fascinating. I just remember, uh, I come from a, a very prayerful heritage. My mother, my aunts, my uncles, my grandparents, they were the, I would, they were the prayer leaders as well as the worship uh, leaders of our of the church I grew up in, the Church of God in Christ there in Emmanuel, uh, uh, in Phoenix, Arizona, called Emmanuel. And so it was, uh, it was constant that I heard the voice of intercession in our home. So in that context, there was a season of our life where financially it was just pretty challenging. Uh, we were uh, going through a very rough time financially. Uh, and, um, and so my, uh, my, there were times where my my brothers or my sister would would uh, you know have fevers or catch cold or get sick or have 
very uh, just challenging health issues. And my mother, she just would grab the anointing oil and, and lay hands on them because going to the hospital wasn't an option. We couldn't hmm. uh, and just did not have uh, the finances or the medical insurance support to take care of those issues. But my mother would lay hands on my uh, my brother Terrence in particular. I never forget, he was really, really, really sick. And uh, not physically moving hardly, having some real bad health issues. And my mother just laid hands on him and and prayed. And just, I remember her breaking the spirit of death off of my brother. And I'm talking about minutes after that, he's jumping, he's he's whole. The fever breaks. He's just he's totally fine. And um, and I remember also. Uh, this was crazy. This is probably the craziest thing I think I've ever seen is we're sitting at the dinner table. There is no food in the cupboards at all. No food in the refrigerator, no food in the cupboards. It's probably one of the biggest stories that we've told uh, over the years that has just blown me away. And we were sitting at the table in South Phoenix, <laughs> Arizona, and, uh, and there's my mother puts out the pots and the pans, and I later found out that the reason why she did that is that the Lord reminded her of when the uh, the feeding of the 5,000, she said the Lord showed her how Jesus had uh, the people, he set the people down as if they were going to eat, though there was nothing at the point prepared. Uh, he was going to bless, you know, the, the food that the young man brought, the two fish and five loaves. But he set the people down and prepared them to eat. And my mother said, set your children down and prepare them. And pull out the pots and pans in face as like the two fish and five loaves of bread, if you will. And so she pulls, this, pulls it out. And the only thing that's in there is water because that's all we had. There's nothing else in there. It's just water. And uh, while we're sitting there at the table... Uh, just kind of awkward, <laughs> knowing that there's nothing in the cupboards. The doorbell rings, and my mother goes to the door. And uh, and now we grew up in a very uh, kind of a uh, very disciplined home, so to turn around in your seat was not, you know, appropriate. But I couldn't help but to see what was going on because my mother was in the spirit, and when she was in the spirit, like I said, I knew something was about to happen. And my mother goes to the door, and I turn around to look to see what's going to happen. And when she opens the door, I hear a car drive off, and there are 12 bags of groceries around the doorstep, literally 12 bags. We go and help pull those bags into the house, and my mother begins to cook, and we ate. I'm telling you, like it was a buffet. It was awesome. Uh, Eddie, you, know, you just keep provoking me to jealousy, and you know the Bible says that's your job description. The Christian is to, to provoke the Jew to jealousy, uh, but uh, our time is slipping away, and I've got to have them experience the anointing on your music. Tell me very briefly about the song, I Am. Well, I Am is a song that came to me by way of a dream. My pastor's wife, Phyllis Sawyer, uh, spoke to me and asked me to write a song with Jesus singing to us. And so when she said that, no one taps into that anointing for songwriting more than my pastor's wife. She has this ability to just push that button and stuff comes out. And so I went to bed that night and dreamed I am literally Jesus singing it to us. And that's what that song is about. And, 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 and Jesus in this is singing over you. Let's go to I am. Kadesh, which means you're holy, you're different, 
There aren't words that can describe how great you are. I am the Lord, the Almighty God. I am the one for whom nothing is too hard. And I am the shepherd, and I am the door. I am the good news to the bound and the poor. I am. I am. I am. I am. I am the righteous one. In the bush for Abraham, and I am the ultimate sacrifice for sin. I am your redeemer, the beginning and the end. I
I don't know about you, but the anointing, I mean, Eddie prays and worships God so long every day that the anointing is out of sight. And I want you to have, we we put together three of his best music CDs, and we're making it available for a gift of $35. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697, 1-800-447-2697. Did you really see uh, the gas go from empty to half a tank? Yeah, my mother needed to go to the grocery store and to do some other errands to pay bills. And a red regal, I never forget, a Buick, a red regal, I'll never forget it. And um, my mother was, she was just one of those radical, she would lay hands and pray for anything. We, I've, she's prayed for the washing machine and it worked. She prayed for the, the dryer and it turned hug. She she called Jesus her, her fix-it man, you know. And so... You know what it sounds like to me? It sounds like to me that... Short of Jesus, your mother's your hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah very much. So. I, 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 I can tell that. <laughs> well, well, let me let, let me ask you something because I'm really curious about this. You get to high school, uh, and you, uh, uh, you start a worship team. I mean, that's not a normal mo for someone going into high school. Uh, why'd you do that? Well, I got filled with the Holy Spirit uh, just before we went to high school at, at my church. And uh, one of the things that uh, obviously comes along with that next one and eight is that you'll be a witness. And uh, there was a strong message about being a witness on high school campuses, uh, and especially mine uh, that I was going to in Phoenix, Arizona, because the drug crisis was getting so bad, and the gangs back then, the Crips and the Bloods from L.A. was really uh, infiltrating Phoenix, Arizona. And, um, and so I went with that in mind, and the Lord showed me uh, there were several students that all went to church together at that high school, and so... I just said, let's sing. Let's let's just come together and and do some singing before uh, before school, and uh, it just became such a very popular and powerful tool to share the gospel that it just grew from there. And uh, the next year, it turned from a group to a choir. And uh, over the, before I graduated from high school, I had oh some ninety, eighty, ninety kids in my high school choir. And then it, it turned into a community effort because we were going everywhere. It, instead of them taking our school choir places, they would take our gospel choir, our high school gospel choir, all over Arizona to, to sing at different schools and to do different things. And it was just powerful. And so other kids wanted to be a part of that. And uh, so I turned it into a Phoenix community uh, uh movement there for now now did many come to the lord as a result of this eddie oh my god we had outbreaks of revival on our high school campus we had times when we would go into our classrooms and god would come into our okay we would rehearse every day that we didn't do the ministry in front of the uh the school or the cafeteria we would have rehearsals and so our rehearsals were tuesdays and thursdays we had rehearsals uh one of the teachers who was a spiritual teacher was our host teacher holy ghost would come into our classrooms and we'd be out on the floor in our english 
school classroom speaking in tongues at our school. We've had, oh my God, we've had kids get saved. I've seen people get delivered from demons. People get set free from addictions on our high school campus. But you know, you know, one of the things, and our time slipping away, unfortunately. One one of the things that intrigues me so much is that your music comes from heaven. And tell me very briefly about a song called "I Need You." Uh, this this astounds me. This song. Okay, now I was in uh, Gadsden, Alabama, and uh, preparing to do a uh, service that night. And uh, as I was there, I was in a pastor's home preparing, and I literally went into an open vision. I don't have many of these, but this one was so real. I literally felt like I left earth and went into heaven in an open vision, and I heard this song, I Need You. And what stood out to me about the entire experience was when I heard the part, da, 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 da. Da, da, da. I instantly knew that this was the sound of children that had either died young or died in the womb due to abortion or miscarriage or things of that nature. And when I came out of this open vision, I went straight to the church and taught it to my worship team. And when I taught it to them, it was the first song we did. My worship team got wrecked just in the rehearsal. When we sang the song that night, it was the only song we sang the entire night. I mean, God came, people came to the altar. We never met an altar call. We never called people to repentance. We never called people to get delivered. But people were throwing their cigarettes on the altar, throwing their drugs on the altar. People were repenting and getting right with God. And everywhere we went for at least the next month to six weeks, that song would take over the entire room. Uh, okay, this is I Need You by Eddie James, really, from heaven. And when you hear da-da-da, that's the sounds of the unborn children. Yes. 
Your assistant told us that you spent, because we do a lot of vetting of our guests. Most people don't realize it, but we do. Uh, You spend up to eight hours a day with the Lord. Uh, Why do you do that? Well, ultimately because I love him. I I just, I love the word. I love prayer. I love worship. I love talking of his goodness. Uh, and I, and I really mean that when I say that I am fascinated with the person of Jesus Christ, with the presence of the Holy Spirit. I, it's, it's really, uh, some people, you know, do this because they, they, they want to be anointed for ministry or they want to be ready to reach out to people, which I believe in all of that. But I just love God. I just, um, I don't, that sounds so cliche, but if you fall in love with the person of Jesus, you fall in love with his presence, there is no other place. You know, that Psalms 27 for reality that says, one thing have I desired of the Lord that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold his beauty and to inquire in his temple is truly real in my soul. That's that's real to me. That I, I, I can speak of his word. I can, I can dig into his his word all day and find that to be my fun. You know, I used to spend some time at IHOP and Misty Edwards, she would spend 18 
hours worshiping God. Uh, and Michael asked her, why did he do that? Go watch a movie. Go do something else. And she said, this is indulgence. If I have to choose between going to have fun over there and being on my keyboard worshiping God, I'd rather do that. And that's that. That's the core value of my soul, is that there isn't a Facebook or Twitter or a movie that would fascinate me more on any given level. I yeah, yeah, Eddie, you're just normal. Unfortunately, we, we want the whole world to be normal. They're not. But uh, I, I have to ask you this question. You have bumped into angels that have put out fires? Tell me about that. Okay, now this is crazy. About two or three months ago, uh, it was, uh, well, September, we were headed from Charleston, Maine, to Pennsylvania uh, to do some ministry with my uh, with the young people that I, I minister with. And uh, the back of our bus caught on fire. And so it's in the middle of the night, about 1 o'clock in the morning. We're in the middle of nowhere. And so we we calmly bring everybody off the bus. And we have no fire extinguisher. I'm saying, Lord, I don't know what to do. We just filled the bus up. What are we going to do? So um, as we're praying about this and saying, Lord, you know, make a way, this guy just drives up out of nowhere, just drives up uh, in this diesel truck-looking thing, pulls over to the side, gets out, goes to the... Uh, to the bus and puts out the fire and gets in his truck and continues on. Now, what freaks me out about this is he didn't say hi. He didn't say, are you guys okay? I've come to help. I saw a fire over here. Is there something that I could do? He didn't say, are y'all good? He just gets out of his vehicle, goes and puts it out, gets back in his vehicle. And while he's doing that, everybody that's with me has this strange but powerful peace the settling of the Holy Spirit over our hearts. And when he gets back in that truck and drives off, everybody said, that was an angel. There was no way that could have happened. That was nothing but God that came and could take care of that. And so that's, that was wild. Okay, I, I want everyone listening to us right now, if you are in a position for your miracle, we're going to play some Eddie James music in a second. And when we finish... I want you to let out the greatest shout you have ever been capable of. And the walls of Jericho, just as they came down when the Jewish people shouted, the prison in your life, whatever it is, it could be sickness, it could be poverty, it could be children and drugs, it could be homosexuality, whatever that is that you want a breakthrough on, when you shout... Watch what God's going to do for you. Eddie, tell me very, very briefly about the song Ruah. Ruah is based out of Joshua chapter 6, where uh, when they let out that shout, that it was really a shout of victory over the enemy. And uh, when I looked up the word shout, it had the word the Ruah as it connected to the word shout. And uh, many of the shout of victory over the enemy. And you find that same uh, idea when David slays Goliath and the armies of God that have been hiding, comes out from hiding and begins to shout, a victorious shout over the Philistine army. And, and as you were uh, just setting that song up, I got this vision of an elderly lady who has a grandson who's 18.
years old. She's believing for his salvation and deliverance from drugs. And I just saw her shouting, and her grandson walks into the house, bowing his knee to Jesus Christ. I just felt like I needed to release that. At first, I was a little shouting with that, but God said, release that. I believe that there's a woman, an elderly grandma, who's going to see her 18-year-old grandson come to know Jesus as she, by faith, begins to lift up her shout. Okay. Now, listen, I want you— Right after you shout to call our 800 number and order the three music CDs of Eddie James for a gift of $35, and I'll come back, and Eddie and I will shout right with you, and there's going to be so many miracles. Ruah!
Now, are you ready to shout so the walls of Jericho come down in your life? The salvations, the healings, the miracles, the, the finances, I, I see it all right before you. All right, Eddie, lead us in the shout, and everyone listening, you shout for all your worth and watch the walls come down. One, two, go. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697, 1-800-447-2697. You have a burden for the Jew in Israel. You go to Israel. You've even done concerts at Israel. Uh, do many young Israelis come there, and do any of them get saved? What's going on? Uh, it's a, it's amazing. We go to Israel uh, usually once to twice every year, and uh, when we go, we uh, we do uh, out, uh, outdoor events in Tel Aviv. We do outdoor events in Nazareth and Haifa. Uh, we go to Bethlehem. We go to uh, Jerusalem, obviously, and, uh, and we, we go all over, all over Israel. And uh, uh, I usually go around the Christmas holiday season to do this tour uh, where I take the young people that I minister to through the Word as I'm there in Israel, but we also do outreaches to reach the community. We've seen, uh, I'll never forget we went to Haifa, and we've seen an 18-year-old drug addict Jew give his life to Jesus. We were in Tel Aviv. We've seen kids that were coming out of clubs and pubs giving their life to Jesus. You know, Eddie, I know something. I know that Israel is ready for a move of God like they've never seen before, and there are going to be so many young people coming to the Lord. I, I just can't wait. I may even go out to your next concert because you could be one that God is going to use to to just explode revival in Israel. But the miracles that are happening, tell me about the man that was paralyzed from the waist down. Oh, Okay. Okay, we were in Columbus, Ohio, at uh, World Harvest, and we're singing this song in worship um, that just speaks of uh, the rivers of living water, just rivers of living water, out of your blood it shall flow. And we're just in the glory. And there was a brother that is uh, that was a part of this congregation. I knew him for several months before he had a bad fall. Uh, in construction, he was uh, several feet in the air, and he had a bad fall and paralyzed from the waist down. And uh, sitting in his wheelchair during this worship experience, he begins to have feeling come back into his legs. He says to his wife and his family around, he says, I can feel it in my legs, I can feel it in my legs. And then, uh, so I saw while I'm on the platform to worship this explosion of praise happening over there uh, to my left while I'm sitting on the platform. When he gets up, he decides to get up out of the wheelchair. He begins to walk, and he begins to run, pushing the wheelchair, then carrying the wheelchair, running around the sanctuary, completely made whole, completely set free. Body is completely healed. No one lays hands on him. It's just the presence of God in worship, releasing healing on his people. Now, imagine, I'm wondering what his doctor had to say about that. Do you, do you know if he went to the doctor? 
Oh, he went back to the doctor, got a full report, the x-rays that showed where the, the damage was before. The doctor's report that said he would be paralyzed for the rest of his life. Then the report from the doctor with the x-rays showed that he is completely healed, completely made whole. And the doctor, I heard that the doctor was in tears and beyond himself saying, we have never seen anything like this. How, how about the woman that lost 200 pounds in a worship service? Oh, now that was crazy. Now, we're in Gatlinburg uh, at this um, youth conference, actually, and I don't know if I've ever been a part in America of a more powerful youth conference with the group God Falls. Anybody that was there can tell you it was one of the most glorious experiences with young people we have ever seen. We saw probably about four or 500 kids slain miraculously just on the floor, just shaking under the power of God. There was this woman... I don't know what her disease and condition was, but whatever it was, it caused her to gain a lot of weight. She got delivered in that meeting. Again, I, no one laid hands on her, just the glory of God in the meeting. And she lost 200 pounds right there in the meeting, clothes hanging off of her. Just crazy, crazy miracle. That, uh, how about someone that's homosexual? Give me one testimony of someone that got free. Okay, there's a guy, he's all over our website. His name is Kagan Wesley. Probably the most miraculous deliverance of homosexuality I have ever witnessed and seen in my entire life. Uh, this young man, we picked him up in Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, for, for many of y'all who don't know exactly what I do, we are a rescue outreach uh, to uh, high school and college age youth coming out of drug addiction and gangs and street life and perverse lifestyles. And we care for about 40 young people every day full-time. And this is, they, you know, at no cost to them, they live in our homes, and we care for them. When we picked this kid up that really wanted to be free, and uh, he came, uh, when we picked him up uh, in Louisville, Kentucky, he had to go back home and meet us in Columbus, Ohio. When he met us at the Potter's House in Columbus, Ohio, that day the Lord delivered this kid from homosexuality. And I'm telling you, he was ripping away. I thought the kid was a girl at first. He looked like a female. He looked like a woman. Changed his mannerisms, changed his mindset. He's one of the strongest witnesses for homosexuality today. He is winning so many homosexuals to, to the Lord. It's just phenomenal what King of West, what God is doing to King of West. Now, he is really a new creation, and I want you to hear Eddie James in New Creation.
Eddie, there, there's something sweeping Christendom. It's demonic. It's called replacement theology that basically says the church has replaced Israel. Um, uh, what, what do you think about that? I think you're right. I think it's absolutely of the enemy. I do not believe that what God has done to bring the Gentiles in is to replace what he has spoken to the Jews. I believe that we get to be a part of a heritage and an inheritance that has come through the Jews. But I do not believe, and I'm not even sure why that theology has come about, what has caused it? I just know this: Jesus Christ is not coming back to New York. <laughs> He's not coming back to L.A. He's coming back to Israel, and I believe that that's the place where everything that is in God's heart, uh, when it comes to the world, is going to climax right there. And I believe that the Jewish people are still God's chosen people, and that we are blessed and honored to connect to God's heart as relates to the people of God in Israel. And I count it a privilege, and and I, I believe that when we get the right perspective about God's people, then we all benefit. We all uh, become. Oh, I, I, I'm going to go one step further, Eddie. And here, here's what I believe: where we are in history, where literally, as the Orthodox Jews say, we're in the footsteps of Messiah. We can j- almost hear his return, uh, except they would say first time, we say return. Uh, where we are in history, those that are on the wrong side of the fence, in reference to the Jew in Israel, will go into further and further heresy. Don't have the time to teach on it, but I am 100% convinced of that. Also, there is a move of the most authentic power of God that this world has ever seen. And it is not, it's going to bypass those that don't understand the Jew in Israel. That I'm convinced of. Now, Eddie, you spend about eight hours a day with the Lord. Just out of curiosity, what do you do personally with, with your time with the Lord? Well, I read, I, I worship, I dance, I shout, <laughs> I lift up, I cry, uh, I, uh, I just really I seek. If there's, if the word, the word that I, I feel like embodies what my heart uh, is about is seeking, and stirring up the seeking heart, stirring up the holy curiosity um, about God and. Um, Peter says everything that pertains to life and godliness is found in the knowledge of God. So I want to know God. I want to know who he is. And I found that what stirs my curiosity about him is when I celebrate and magnify God in my life concerning who he is. Sometimes I'll just walk around my room and just say, you're holy, you're magnificent, you're great, you're awesome. God, you're just beautiful. I just begin to speak the attributes of God and begin to speak of what he has done. Um, David said in Psalms 8, when I consider the heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? I, I just go quoting stuff like that and stirring up the curiosity in my heart by just speaking the attributes of God, talking of who he is and what he has done and the work of his hands, his power, his, 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 great, his greatness. And I do that. And then when I do that, I begin to sense his anointing, sense his presence in the room. And uh, I'll get on my keyboard and I'll work 
you know, I'll, I'll begin to play worship music. I'll, I'll begin to uh, just get on my face before God and weep before Him, and then I'll go into the scriptures and learn more about Him. Um, even right now, I'm, I'm in the middle of learning some things about the burning bush experience when, when uh, Moses was there, and I'm getting fascinated with things that I've never seen before. Uh, I, I just begin to look at what is Mount Horeb and what is all of that about? Why would God put his finger on that spot and, and Moses bringing people back to that spot where he encountered God and he began to do some things in my own heart to have a spot where I could bring my son and daughters back to it and say, that's where I found God. That's the place I met him. That's the place I took shoes off. That's the place when I saw the all-consuming power and fire of God, and it gripped my soul and turned me into the deliverer he's made me to be today. Uh, Eddie, I, I want them to experience that right now with Lina Judah.
Now, you understand why I said you need his three music CDs for a gift of $35. Shabbat Shalom. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural!, Visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. To receive a complimentary copy of our bi-monthly teaching newsletter, materials catalog, or information about becoming Mishpucha or Chalitzim, write to me, Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina. 28278. To place a credit card order, call anytime 1 800 447 2697. For all other calls, the number is 704 943 6500. That's 704 943 6500. For a CD of this week's broadcast, send a donation to Sid Roth. That's S I D R O T H. Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.